ranked one of America's top research universities, the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee plays a vital role in shaping the future of Milwaukee and Wisconsin. UWM's diversity, academic excellence, and world-class research contribute to the region's economic development and quality of life. Meet the people behind the creativity and discoveries on UWM Today. Here's the host, Tom Lujak, Vice Chancellor of University Relations. After the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis, people across the country have taken a hard look at the impact racism is having throughout our communities. One of the areas of greatest concern is the way in which racism affects the health of people of color. To get a better idea of just how serious the problem is, the Wisconsin Medical Journal devoted a special spring issue to the topic. On this edition of UWM Today, we're going to hear from some of the people involved in that publication. Joining us on the program are David Pate, Associate Professor of Social Work at UWM, Dr. Serena Schrager, a physician and professor at UW-Madison's School of Medicine and Public Health, and Lisa Payton Kerr, CEO and president of the Foundation for Black Women's Wellness, a nonprofit organization. Welcome to all of you. Good to have all of you on today's program. Thank you for the invitation. Yes, thank you. Serena, you were uh, the editor of uh, this uh, issue of the Medical Journal, your editor of the journal overall. Could you talk about why you decided to devote uh, an entire issue just to this one topic of racism and the way it can and does affect a person's health? Um, sure. Thank you. Um, thank you for having me and all of us, um, Tom. I think it's Wonderful that this program is going to highlight um, this issue of the Wisconsin Medical Journal. Um, so the Wisconsin Medical Journal is a unique um, publication in that it's been published continuously since 1904. It has traditionally been sponsored by the Wisconsin Medical Society. But in 2019, the ownership of the journal has was taken over by the two medical schools in the state of Wisconsin. So it is now jointly published by the Medical College of Wisconsin and the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health. Um, the Both of the medical schools have been looking for ways to develop anti-racist educational opportunities. And at the Wisconsin Medical Journal, we thought that one of the things that we could do to highlight a lot of the work that we know it was being done in the state of Wisconsin was to publish a special issue looking at the impact of race and racism on health of people in Wisconsin. So we um, assembled a special advisory committee of people who were content experts from um, UW-Milwaukee, UW-Madison School of Medicine and Public Health, as well as Medical College of Wisconsin, and sent out a call for papers um, we were overwhelmed by the number of submissions that we received, um, and we think that um, we have assembled a really great collection of papers that look at many of the different issues related to race and racism and health. Um, we also had a call for artwork and um, highlight some of the artwork in both the online version of the journal um, which is available at wmjonline.org or in the print copy. And so uh, it was an attempt to cover the entire breadth of how racism affects health, or were you selective in terms of 
uh, the area of focus in the publication? Well, so that's an interesting question because we were pretty broad in our call for papers. But the Special Advisory Committee um, looked at the papers we received and felt like there were a couple of um, gaps in that we did not receive much um, looking at Native health. And so we actually solicited a commentary looking at the health of Native populations in Wisconsin. Um, and the advisory group actually also thought that we should have a discussion of whiteness and sort of how whiteness works as a foil um, to discussion of races. And so we made sure to include some discussion of that in um, the editorials. Great. Uh, David, you were on the committee that helped select the articles that are included in the, in the publication. What do you think is the positive outcome that can be the be be the result of of this investment of an enormous amount of time on on the part of the authors and and on the part of the uh, the folks who uh, publish the journal. Uh, thank you, thank you, Tom. That's a really good question. And you know, you know, Americans waking up and noticing the death of black men and black women and Latino men and Latino women as well, um, and it's causing us to address and come to some. Uh, uh, meeting of the minds about what the, what is the effects of racism in this country? What are the structural impediments that people face on a daily basis? And the opportunity to engage in a conversation with those who are involved in health and health being broad, being um, a variety, of, you know, there's a continuum how we can look at health. But, you know, one of the things that I think was really important, and I've always thought this around the whole issue of toxic stress and how um, access to health is such a major issue, for Black people, you know, it, it's it's unfortunate, but Dr. David Williams, who I study, talks about the whole idea that black people die every day, and they die prematurely because the because of three significant issues: discrimination, uh, residential segregation, as well as implicit bias. Um, and you know, with implicit, and that's one of the that's that's one of the discussions in the articles that is published in this particular um, issue of the journal, where we try to look at the breadth of how you look at race, culture, place, um, gender. And, and how do those make for the perfect storm, unfortunately, of what your outcomes are going to be? Or they, or they really contribute to how people are not going to do as well as they could in society. The racial disparities are very wide. As a matter of fact, Milwaukee is the place where I've done most of my research and is always at the bottom. We, and, and as a place where segregation has been, at the, has been the worst in terms of residential segregation, um, you can really see, as, as research has shown, when you have such high residential segregation, that's a factor around people's health because the opportunities are limited, their access is limited, and their resources are limited. And again, this particular journal brings up, this particular issue of the journal definitely attends to those particular impediments that people face every day. I'd like to bring Lisa into the conversation. Lisa, again, is uh, the uh, president of the nonprofit Foundation for Black Women's Wellness. Uh, you were one of the contributors to the publication, Lisa. Um, what was the point that you were trying to make in, in, in the piece that you authored? Yes, well, first let me uh, just back up and say that in agreement with Serena um, and David, this was perhaps one of the most important, if not the most important, crucial conversations that we needed to have right now in the state of Wisconsin in a backdrop of what has happened over the last year um, nationally. But this is a longstanding issue and conversation in our state 
which unfortunately ranks number one in, in consistent studies on racial inequality, racial health disparities, racial birth disparities, and other social structural determinants of health that impact uh, black and brown communities and indigenous communities and also low-income communities across our state. So it's a, it's a timely issue um, and one that we really need in our state to really be transparent and honest in naming what is at the root of the disparities that continue to impact the health outcomes of, of black and brown communities in our state. Um, so I wanna commend the Wisconsin Medical Journal for dedicating an entire issue uh, to this topic and to, and to see that continue because it is really shifting narrative in our state and how we're talking about this. Community has always known these things. This is not a new topic and it didn't take the death of George Floyd to make communities speak about this. This is a long message and a long journey of talking and pushing the envelope and working to develop solutions, community-based solutions, systemic solutions, often in an environment where systems hadn't really come to the conclusion that racism is a key public health threat and the core driver of the very different and disparate outcomes we're seeing in health between different populations in our state. So we, we needed this. Um, the Foundation for Black Women's Wellness work is specifically designed to advance the health of Black women. And as we know, we're number one for Black infant mortality in the nation here in Wisconsin. We have a five times greater maternal mortality rate for Black women in our state in comparison to our white peers. And that's on top of the consistently, and I mean over 30 years of of data since we've been disaggregating data by race, income, zip code, and other factors in our state. Um, this has consistently been the trend. Um, and, and unfortunately, the data shows us that those health outcomes, birth outcomes on top of the track record of chronic illness and higher death rates, morbidity, mortality, all those pieces that disproportionately impact Black women, Black families, Brown communities, and others in our state, it has been consistent. Uh, with very little fluctuation in a positive direction. And in fact, the data is telling us that the results are beginning to look worse. And so our point of, of uh, the piece that we published in the journal, listening to black women, uh, the critical solution to changing and advancing Wisconsin's birth outcomes is really what we wanted to say at this moment. Um, many folks have been working on this issue for, for decades and we haven't seen change and growth. And one of the critical reasons why we don't see change or solutions that stick and work is we don't listen to the most impacted populations and communities who are shouldering the burden, who are burying the babies, who are um, burying the mothers and the wives and, uh, of their children. Um, and in that, we spoke very clearly that as we take this turn, and it is our hope as community organizations that this issue and many other issues, um, even the Mayo Clinic did a similar issue on the impact of race and racism on health. Others are having this conversation, but in Wisconsin, our hope is that policymakers, um, decision makers, health systems, those who have decision-making power on how we restructure our approaches and our framing of addressing health disparities, understand that you cannot create solutions, you cannot create policies that don't involve, engage, or based on the realities of the experiences and the expert knowledge 
of communities most impacted, and in our case, Black women. You must listen to Black women if you're going to arrive at the right solutions and steps to take to turn this tide. Serena, I want to come back to you for a moment. As editor of the journal, um, you know your readers probably better than anybody else. Uh, a lot of physicians, other healthcare professionals here in the state of Wisconsin. Do you think that what this publication focused on, racism and health, um, shed new light or was a surprise to any of the people who, um, who are involved in health care here in the state? As David and, and Lisa point out, uh, these are generational problems that have been here in Wisconsin and, and have left our state in, 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 in a really bad condition in terms of performance for, for years and years and years. Was, was any of this news to, to your readers? So, Tom, I think that with the transition of the journal from the Wisconsin Medical Science Society to the medical schools, our readership is evolving and is probably now including more academics, but we're also really trying to be much more multidisciplinary, um, extending to pharmacy, nursing, physical therapy, genetics. Um, so, and to, to be honest, for people who don't pay attention this is a surprise. I can't tell you the number of people who commented to me that they were just shocked to read some of the some of the papers in the in this issue of the journal. I think you know it's it's not a, a question of not caring. I think it's a question of not knowing and not thinking about it. And that was another reason why we thought this was an important issue to um, publish and that uh, a lot of people just don't know. So I do think it was a surprise to a lot of people. Positive reaction? You know, did you get any negative blowback from people who, who read these stories and, and said, you know, this is a, this is a social issue and, and we're health professionals and, you know, don't, don't get into our domain or, or were people pretty open to the conversations? So there are certainly people who believe that. I have not heard any of that um, feedback about this particular issue of the journal, but I know there are people out there who don't believe that racism as a concept actually affects health. Um, but no, I have had overwhelmingly positive responses to the journal. Everybody has been really, really um, impacted and um uh, thankful that we were um, able to spend so much time on the topic and that we got such high quality papers. You're listening to UWM Today here on WUWM. Good to have you with us this week. I'm Tom Lujak and joining us in our virtual studios today are David Pate. He's an associate professor of social work at UWM. Dr. Serena Schrager, a physician and uh, the editor of the Wisconsin Medical Journal. And uh, Lisa Payton Care. Uh, who's president and CEO of a nonprofit in Madison, the Foundation for Black Women's Wellness. And we're, we're talking about a special issue of the uh, Wisconsin Medical Journal that came out this spring, focused entirely on the topic of racism and how it impacts 
uh, the health of people of color. Uh, I'd like to dive in and talk about some of the topics that were covered uh, within the, the the journal itself. Uh, and there's so much there. Again, we'll we'll give you listeners um, a, a link to the. Uh, to the website that will allow you to read all of the stories. But there were a few in particular that I wanted to jump into, and uh, one of them focusing on incarceration. And David, I'd like to come back to you. Uh, You've studied um, the plight of black males here in Wisconsin for many, many years. You've been on this program talking about some of the challenges. Um, Could you talk to us about um, how um, being imprisoned um, if you are black, if you are a Latino, can negatively impact your health? You know, there's been some good work done by several people I know who are physicians around this topic already, in particular, one of our former health commissioners in Milwaukee, where they found that just any, any amount of imprisonment reduces your life expectancy by three or four years. Um, and, you know, the, the one thing I want to go back to that Serena said that I think is really important, that we talked about the whole idea of having something on whiteness. And I really commend her for making sure the editorial was included about that, because when we think about, I know what you, wanted, you want me to answer about incarceration, but I want to highlight that the, the research has found that white men or white high school graduates will live longer than a black college graduate. And, and that can be a black college graduate from Harvard or Yale or UWM. <laughs> and they still will, and, and they could be very successful. And so if you, if you see someone with that amount of success, as we deem success, who has a successful career and they're still dying young, and then you see someone who hasn't been as successful and unfortunately has been incarcerated, and they do have access to health care when they're incarcerated. It may not be the best health care, but they, are, they do have access to it. But when they're, not, when they're outside of that system and they're in the society and they're seeking health care, if they don't have a job that's providing them access to health care, the chances are a little less promising, depending on where they live. Wisconsin has a much better system with badger care and other resources. But when you're a single adult man or woman, it's hard to get health care. And so, unfortunately, men who are in prison, and unfortunately, we have one of the highest rates of imprisonment for black men, very wide disparity around that, that incarceration. We have Milwaukee, 53206, where um, over 50% of the people in that neighborhood have of incarceration on their livelihood. So that affects a community. It affects families for generations. That's a real issue that this article talks about and that, and that people are coming out of prison with, with diseases and concerns with that are not going to be treated as well when they're free. Um, and while they're there, they do get care, but it may not be the best care because of implicit bias or discrimination. Um, I just read a study recently, a week ago, and I come across it before from 2020, where 40% of white physicians still believe that black people have thicker skin, that black people can tolerate, have higher toleration of pain. And that's real. And this is 2020, this is not 1817 or 1619 when slavery enslaved people were brought here. That's why this particular journal is so important at this particular time and raises issues of why this issue of incarceration has other issues, has has effects on people that are long term um, and also very dramatically short term as well. But there's long term, just physical health, but there's mental health concerns that is talked about in this journal as well about, about depression, not necessarily tied to incarceration, but it does bring up the issue that mental health and physical health concerns are real.
and we need to be we need to be fully cognizant of what the harms are being caused by some state practices. Lisa, the black women that you know and that you serve uh, at at uh, in your organization, um, are they aware of the disadvantages that that they are at in terms of of dealing with their health and the and the health of their children and uh, and mates? They're very aware. Um, of course, obviously, a big part of our organization's work is to educate and build awareness in our community to help them be able to name and frame what they're witnessing in their personal lives. And women are at different levels of understanding of the larger scope, um, but but people understand and know the inequalities. They know from the experiences of the levels of of illness and death and lack of access to care and the number of folks who are uninsured or working jobs that don't provide health insurance. Um, You know, they're living in the realities of this. And I don't want to put our community in a box because we're by no means a monolithic community. Um, As David spoke to, uh, you know, our community is very diverse. We've got folks from below GED to PhD level, but what is like alike between these women, no matter what their income, education, or zip code, is they're all experiencing this uh, dilemma of poor health outcomes, either personally or within their family system. And they articulate this in a way that that clearly shows understanding of these disparities, whether they have the academic ability to speak about it. Um, And what's so important about that uh, for us in this conversation and this journal piece is speaking to what both Serena and David spoke to. We've got to understand the social structural differences and experiences and access um, by race. You know, we can really assume and and conclude that opportunity and access is arranged on a hierarchy in our society. Um, And people know what this hierarchy is. They know where they sit on the hierarchy and they know they can predict, you know, that my health outcomes, my birth outcomes, my employment opportunities, my educational journey, uh, the experiences my children have in school, the experiences my children, my sons, my daughters have with law enforcement are going to look very differently based on where I sit on that hierarchy of opportunity and access, which is driven by racism and how we structure those things based on this construction of race in our country. We cannot talk about health disparities um, and the health outcomes of populations without getting down to the nitty gritty of understanding that that's the core conversation we have to have is what is this social structural arrangement that we've established in our country and that is really, you know, on steroids in the state of Wisconsin in terms of our health outcomes. They're all tied to the bigger picture, the bigger ecosystem of education. Uh, why do we have over-incarceration in our state? Why is that 53206 zip code area in the Milwaukee neighborhood, why does 50% of the population know that it's going to have engagement with the criminal justice system? We can undo those things, but we have to acknowledge them, and we have to acknowledge that this is not a people problem or a cultural problem or a neighborhood problem. This is a structural problem that feeds populations into different pathways of opportunity. And what that looks like on the downside is the outcomes that we're witnessing here in our state. And yes, our populations on the ground and the most under-resourced communities up to those most resourced absolutely know 
that these disparities exist and they can speak to them. And I hope as a community and as a state that we will speak to them more boldly and courageously. Um, and this journal really needs to, to be discussed in the halls of academia, in the halls of our legislature, and in all the places and spaces where we need to acknowledge uh, these root causes and drivers of our state's health, birth, economic, social, education, and incarceration disparities. It's one story. Serena, you're a physician. You teach at Madison's School of Medicine and, and Public Health. Um, you are surrounded by physicians or physicians-to-be and, and many other healthcare professionals. When you hear David and Lisa, who are both black, talk about their experiences uh, and you consider the healthcare establishment here in the state, um, I, I've got to ask you do, you, do you think that that what they're witnessing is the result of ignorance or is it ambivalence on the part of healthcare providers that where they, where they don't see the fact that racism may in fact be uh, imbued in how they go about their daily business of providing care? So that's a really interesting question. I think traditionally, the medical establishment has um, found or taught that race itself creates differences in health. And I think one of the things that we were trying to um, highlight in this journal is that, um, you know, we know that all people of all races have, you know, 99.9% .9 of our genetic material is the same. And so it's not genetic. It is structural. Um, I think there. I, I think the new generation of um, physicians and physicians to be are talking about this. I think the more senior people maybe haven't, but are starting to. Um, I know UW um, School of Medicine and Public Health. You know, and and there uh, is is really pushing to become an anti-racist educational institution. And in their three times a week newsletter, there's a section, every newsletter talking about what we're doing to try to get beyond um, this structural racism. And it's going to be a process. Um, you know, I, um, I think it's so valuable to hear what people's lived experiences are. And that's really what I do in my day-to-day um, practice. Um, and I think it's all of our responsibility to teach the students and residents um, about these issues. Any sense if the medical journal is going to come back and revisit this or, or was this a one-off, uh, the, the special issue looking at racism? You know, I think we would love to be able to do it again. The um, Obviously, there is an extra cost, both of labor and um, financial for the publishing board for the Wisconsin Medical Journal. I, I can say though that since the um, since the special issue came out, we've been getting a lot more papers um, on this topic. And so I hope that continues. And um, I would love to have another special issue in a couple of years. Yeah, because clearly the problem is not going away and, and you can never educate too much, correct? Correct. 
Uh, we're just about out of time, but Serena, I do want to ask you to share with our listeners uh, the best way for them to be able to get into the journal and, and, and read some of these stories, which I've looked at, and it really is uh, troubling. It's, 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 it's uh, wonderful that we're talking about the topics, but uh, boy, oh boy, the, the issues are so big. How can our listeners uh, go ahead and read this special issue? So the journal is available free online, wmjonline.org. Or just do a Google search for Wisconsin Medical Journal. You'll probably get there too, right? You'll get there too. Mm Mm-hmm. That's all for this week's edition of UWM Today. Our guest again, David Pape, Associate Professor of Social Work at UWM, Dr. Serena Schrager, a professor at the Madison School of Medicine and the editor of the Wisconsin Medical Journal, and Lisa Payton Kerr, who's CEO and president of the Foundation for Black Women's Wellness in Madison. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next week at the same time. I'm Tom Lujak. You've been listening to UWM Today with host Tom Lujak, the weekly program where you get to meet the people behind one of America's top research universities, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Playing a vital role in shaping the future of Milwaukee and Wisconsin, UWM's diversity, academic excellence, and world-class research contribute to the region's economic development and quality of life. Learn more at uwm.edu.